Welcome to the Let Me Show You London podcast. Let me plan. Let me help. Let me show you London. Uh, welcome to Let Me Show You London podcast. Uh, my name is Mark and with me I have one of our tour guides, Denisa. Hi everybody. Uh, so we provide private tours in London and other major cities around the UK and this podcast is designed for travellers, tourists, history buffs and anybody else who wants to find out more about some spectacular places and sites all over the country. So we hope that uh, by listening to our podcast it will inspire you to come and visit London and the UK. Uh, we've got several episodes planned over the next few months but please do let us know if there are any particular topics or sites that you would like us to cover. So today we're going to start with Westminster Abbey and uh, to start with Denise, uh, uh, can you tell us what Westminster Abbey actually is? Yeah, of course. Um, Westminster Abbey is a major and famous church uh, which is located uh, right in the city centre of London and it is also very closely linked with the um, royal family and actually it has always been a big part of the royal family. So how do you mean that it's it's linked to the to royalty? Well, it's a church that the royal family uses fairly regularly. So it's used for royal weddings, burials and coronations. And um, also several times in the year, the royal family comes to Westminster Abbey for special special events, special services, commemorations, etc. And because of this, the church appears in the news quite frequently and um, many visitors recognize it immediately because of this. So what was the last major event that we might have seen the royal family um, here at Westminster Abbey? Uh, well, that would be probably in 2011. That was when Prince William married uh, Catherine Middleton. Millions of people were watching this live on TV. This was um, broadcast all over, uh, all over the world. And um, it was covered by media everywhere. Um, do you remember it? Did, did, did you watch it yourself? Oh, you make me sound like I missed a big deal now. I didn't actually see it. So. Uh, I did, I did. Uh, actually, back then we were, we were at work. Our shifts were all, uh, all done. We could, uh, we could have gone, go gone home, but we stayed in the office just attached to the TV screen and we watched it from the start to finish. It was uh, quite impressive. And to be honest, if uh, there is an event like this, it always boosts uh, interest of a site for many years to come. Okay, that's interesting. So that's more about the recent history um, of Westminster Abbey. But what about the uh, the previous history of the structure? Did it always look like this? Or, or how, how did the church even sort of come into being? Yeah, of course. Um, so um, if we start from, from the beginning, we are not really talking about the current structure that we see today. Mm -hmm. And we have to travel back to the 11th century, completely different, different time in London. Uh, the king back then was Edward the Confessor, and he decided to establish a royal palace. It was close by, it was just on the banks of the River Thames, and in the neighbourhood there was this small Benedictine monastery. Edward the Confessor decided to change this monastery and he wanted to create a large church. And um, he did achieve what he intended, but unfortunately he didn't enjoy it for, uh, for very long. 
because he died a few days after the church was uh, was consecrated. Uh, but he created something of a great importance and that was a church for coronations. The first coronation that took place in Westminster Abbey was on uh, Christmas Day in uh, 1066 and that's when William the Conqueror was crowned the King of England. And ever since then this church is place where the monarchs are crowned and um, the church that Edward the confessor built lasted for about two centuries. So is there anything left from Edward the Confessor's church that we can see today? There is, there is not, not much, but there is. Um, the part uh, that belonged to Edward's church is in the cloisters. There is a small room which is called the pig's chamber and that would be the part that uh, goes back to his church. Uh, when you sort of look for this uh, particular place, you need to look at um, at the arches because the arch is always the indication of the time when the church was built. So if you see round arches, that's the old, uh, that's the old part or even the one of the oldest parts of the church. So when you are looking around Pick's chambers, you're not going to find those broken arches like you see anywhere else, but all the arches will be round and that's uh, the indication that's the oldest part. So how did that happen then? How did the change come about? Did they just pull down the old building to create a plot for the new one and somehow forgot about the cloisters or decided to just keep the cloisters? Well, it was a very complex, um, complex build. Uh, we now move to sort of the 13th century and we have different king on the throne. We had um, the king called Henry III. He loved buildings, he loved architecture, and even his nicknames have suggested this because it was Henry III, the Builder's King. Um, he was also inspired by the European cities and countries and how they were building, because there were so many churches and cathedrals uh, growing around Europe and Henry wanted to have something here in London as well. So he had this particular church in mind and he also was looking for a place where he could establish his family tomb. He respected Edward the Confessor very much. Uh, he was a great admirer of his and um, he wanted to um, sort of create a burial for, for him, but to be very close to Edward's as well. Um, you are asking about um, sort of did they demolish the church uh, that was here before or um, how did it go? Well, actually, they didn't pull down the structure completely. It was um, built bit by bit. So you demolished one part and you uh, built the brand new part. When you are finished, you then demolish another part and you start building um, the part from scratch. So that's kind of how it how it worked back then. So that must have taken them quite some time if they were demolishing and then rebuilding bit by bit. Did Henry get to see what we see today? Unfortunately, he did not, not even close, uh, because um, the Abbey took many centuries to finish. And Henry was responsible only for 
relatively small area of it. Um, when you go inside the church, that would be the area that surrounds the high altar. Most churches have a very similar floor plan and that's um, a shape of a cross and in the middle you find the, uh, the high altar, that's the place where the transepts uh, cross the area of high altar and that's what Henry was responsible for here at Westminster Abbey. So how long did it actually take to finish building the entire abbey? Um, do you want to have a guess how long it, um, it took? Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 200 years or so? Uh, slightly longer than that. Um, Henry started uh, the church in 13th century and finally the abbey as we see it today was finished in the 18th century. So we're talking about 500 years or so. What's important here though is the style of the church because we are looking as as um, we're looking at a gothic structure. In 13th century, fair enough, gothic was uh, was in style and everybody wanted to have a gothic structure. In the 18th century, gothic would have been fairly fairly old old fashioned, but the stonemasons um, and the builders decided to keep the style as gothic which gives us this magnificent church and not some kind of mismatched building, which um, I think it's uh, amazing. And when you look at the building, it looks it looks fantas uh, fantastic. Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but if there's that period of 500 years that it took to build them, who funded this? Was it paid for all by Henry or, or was it somebody else who took over after his death? That's a very good question, actually. Um, it was always the, the kings, the monarchs, who paid for, um, for it. But to be honest, not all of them were interested in buildings, in architecture. Um, Henry had some money, Henry III. Uh, he, um, he had some money, but more importantly, he was interested. When he died, the abbey was left pretty much untouched for about 100 years. And it wasn't until another king came to the throne who shared similar interest with, with Henry, and that was Richard II. And Richard II made sure that the nave, which sometimes is the main body part of the church, um, was, uh, was finished. And actually, when you go inside the church today and you um, sort of look at the nave and you look at the walls of the nave you'll see two different textures of material and that's how you can um, distinguish between Henry's church and Richard's church. Great so now we've had a bit of an oversight of uh, the history of the church and how it came into being um, if I decide to go inside what should I be looking for do you have some personal tips for me? Sure. Uh, so let's um, let's just um, look at the church when you are inside and what um, you could expect um, when you go in. So, so the church itself offers a route which every visitor kind of follows. And uh, personally, I like to start from uh, what's called the West Front, which is basically the start of the nave. This is where we find the first very interesting artifact, and that is the coronation chair, which was made in the 1300s and still today is used during coronations. I mean, um, 
both of us, you and I, we are too young to remember the last coronation, but it was indeed used in 1953 during the coronation of Elizabeth II. So does that mean that the chair will be used again? Absolutely. Uh, eventually, when we have a new monarch and uh, we have a another coronation this chair will be removed from this uh, special little chapel where it's located now and it will be moved to the high altar which is the area where the coronation takes place oh, that's incredible imagine all those kings and queens sitting on the on this particular chair yeah i know i know it's quite something you can just imagine um henry the eighth um who was quite robust man or a petite queen victoria yeah it is definitely uh, interesting now, anyway, let's move um, so from the chair and uh, let's move down uh, down the nave, and we're gonna go to what's called the screen, and we'll be talking a little bit about burials and memorials. Now, very often people with the same background are buried close to each other. So once we reach the screen, which is kind of the divider between the nave and what's called the choir we have uh, several famous scientists and physicists who are who are buried here maybe do you want to have a guess who who could be here uh, i don't know there's quite a lot to uh, quite a lot to go for um have a tip or a hint yeah sure let's uh, let's say one word gravity so newton's here yeah 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 isaac newton is buried here uh, he actually has a memorial as well as a burial and he is surrounded by his colleagues. So very close by, you find a burial of uh, Michael Faraday and most recently, Stephen Hawking. Hawking, no way. I thought his funeral was at Cambridge. Isn't that where, where he lived? Yeah, that is, uh, that is correct. He lived and worked in Cambridge. That's where he died in um, 2018. And the family funeral was held um, in one of the local churches there. That was in March. And a few months later, in about June time, there was a special service held here in Westminster Abbey and uh, the ashes were brought and um, this tomb was created um, in his honor. So um, that's where he is. He is buried now. If you understand a bit of physics, you can actually look at the tombstone and there is one of his equations on it. It doesn't really tell me much because I'm not very good, but for a physicist or a scientist, probably would give you a lot more. That's quite cool. I didn't know that there were modern day people um, buried here as well. That's interesting. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it is fascinating. You just have to sort of think about this church as a living and working place, which, which it is. So uh, we're talking about uh, some of these famous scientists and um, let's, move, let's move on and let's just walk through the screen, walk uh, through the choir and we are now in front of the high altar. So that's where you mentioned before that the coronation chair would be brought from the small chapel through to the high altar. Yep, absolutely. So this is uh, what I would call the, the heart of the church, the most um, important part of the church. This would be the part that Henry III built. And okay. this is the, the place where the transepts cross in front of the high altar. And this is the place for services and events. And coronation, obviously, is, uh, is one of them. 
maybe even one of the one of the oldest uh, ceremonies. So uh, prior to the last coronation, the whole church had to be closed for about six months and it had to be altered to cope with the amount of visitors because for the coronation there were about 8,000 invites that were sent out and of course the church as you see it today can't cope with so many um, so many visitors or so many guests rather mm -hmm. so they had to be accommodated somewhere uh, so lots of seating uh, was added and imagine um, seating like at the football stadium in tears then the coronation chair was uh, brought from that chapel and it was placed uh, right here at the at the high altar the ceremony was actually quite long it took about three hours and it was also the first televised coronation um in the history so can we still see the the footage from that coronation somewhere is it still available to watch yeah absolutely we just um, Google it, put it on YouTube, and there are a few clips um, here and there. It is it is interesting to see because you can actually see the difference of the Abbey today and what it would look like um, during the coronation. So if the Abbey's changed over that time, do you think that the, that the next coronation will be different as well? Uh, who knows what's going to happen next, you know? Um, it's going to be probably quite an event but to what extent, um, I, I don't know. Uh, the protocol of the coronation barely changes, so um, the style of it, or the protocol will be the same, but the style of it might be slightly different. We just need to uh, wait and see. Uh, but uh, we can be assured that when it happens, it's going to be all over the news and all over uh, social media because it's going to be such an important uh, and spectacular event. So is there anything else that we should see here around the High Altar? Uh, sure. Uh, let's, um, let's concentrate on the floor now because uh, we have some beautiful what's called Cosmati pavement, and it's the original floor from the 13th century. So Henry III, the Builders King, he invited a worksman from Italy to create this um, fantastic geometrical pavement, which uses different colored stone uh, together with, uh, with some glass. And for many, many years, this floor was covered with carpet, and actually, if you watch the coronation video, you realize that the coronation chair is uh, standing on the carpet. But um, during some conservation projects, it was discovered that the carpet is not doing the floor any good and it was removed. So today we can we can admire the floor because it's not uh, not covered with anything and can can breathe, if you can say that. So that's, um, that's the high altar and from this area we are going to move around the high altar and we're going to be heading towards uh, the back of the church, which is the east part or the east end of the church, where we have uh, several little chapels which are full of uh, burials and memorials. Is there anyone else who we might recognise from these memorial memorials and burials? Um, I'm sure there are. Um, so if we are in the area of the high altar, that was reserved for the royal family. 
So immediately behind the high altar, we have the shrine and the tomb of um, Edward the Confessor himself. Remember, that was the king who converted the small monastery into the kind of first uh, church, Westminster Abbey. I remember, yeah, but that can't be his original tomb, surely? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, this is thanks to Henry III. He moved the original tomb of Edward the Confessor and he built the shrine that you see that you see today. Um, as we said before, he was a great admirer of uh, Edward and he wanted to be buried very close to him. So as you are walking around, you immediately come across a tomb that uh, belongs to Henry III. And um, looking around, there is so much more. So overall, we have about 30 monarchs buried in the church. Is Henry VIII buried here? Um, no, Henry VIII, uh, he is not buried here, but um, some of the other Tudors are, and uh, we'll talk about them in just a few moments. So you are now behind the high altar and you're standing in front of um, some, some stairs. You climb up the stairs, you go up, and at the top of the stairs there is an entrance into a chapel. And this is the final resting place of two stepsisters, Elizabeth I and Mary I, which is also known as Bloody Mary. Elizabeth's tomb is um, obvious because it has a lifelike effigy. But if you were searching for Mary's tomb, that might be an, um, a difficult task because she doesn't have anything uh, that ornate and she is plainly buried underneath her sister. I'm sure those two names are probably among the, amongst the famous one, Elizabeth I and Bloody Mary. They're both daughters of Henry VIII and they were both queens in the 16th century. So once you leave this, uh, this, cha this chapel, you, um, you have an entrance into a larger one and that's directly at the east end. It's called Henry VII Chapel. It is very spacious and very light. All you have to do in this place is to look up and admire the beautiful fan vaulted ceiling. Henry VII, who by the way was the father of Henry VIII, he built this as his burial place and his tomb is, is right here. Um, apart from his tomb, you also find um, other tombs and other smaller chapels. So my suggestion is to walk around the tomb of Henry VII, which basically takes you all the way to the end, the very far end of Westminster Abbey. And that's where you find a um, very small area dedicated to the Royal Air Force. And this is their, their small chapel. This is also a place where visitors can spot a small damage from World War II. Look for a small hole covered by glass below the first window. So that was it, literally the only damage from the war? Um, no, not, not really, but the Abbey was um, actually quite fortunate during World War II and suffered um, some, some damage. It was mostly in the centre part and uh, at the roof. But a lot of artifacts at that point were already moved to safety and uh, the abbey was protected by thousands of sandbags. And interestingly enough, even during the war, the church was open for services and uh, these services were held regularly here. And still today, on a special uh, commemorative days, 
you have um, you have a service where the members of the royal family are present. That's interesting. So I, I would have thought that the damage was much larger. larger. So um, what should we be looking for next when we move on? Um, I really like exploring the poet's corner. So you remember we were talking about the scientists and now we have a larger area where people from the literary world are buried and commemorated. So again, any guesses who might be here? Um, Shakespeare, maybe? Um, yeah, you are not uh, not wrong, but he is not buried here. He's actually uh, buried in Stratford-upon-Avon, but he has a very large memorial here because okay. he is probably one of the most famous ones, so he has to be commemorated here in Poet's Corner. Uh, but um, we have so many burials and memorials. Some are on the wall, some um, are plaques on the floor, and some names are even inscribed in the stained glass window. Just a few examples of people who are buried here. So we have Geoffrey Chaucer or Charles Dickens. Those are the ones that are actually buried here. And then we have a few that are commemorated here, and that would be, for example, Lewis Carroll or um, Oscar Wilde. The list is endless. It just goes on and on and on. Um, we don't really have any recent burials. We just have some recent memorials, and that was uh, C.S. Lewis a couple of years ago. So I think that's um, enough about Poets Corner and let's um, let's move on. Do you remember we were mentioning the cloisters at the start? Sure, that's the part that we said was uh, part of the original, original building. Yes, so now it's time to go and explore, explore the, the cloisters. So we are leaving the main building of the church mm -hmm. and we'll be, uh, we'll be in the cloisters next. The cloisters uh, were an area or more of a home for the monks. So this is where the monks lived, this is where they ate, they were exercised, this is where they read or relaxed, this was their home. Wasn't it quite cold for them here though? I thought the cloisters were, were mostly open. Um, you're, you're right, uh, they are open today, but in the past uh, the, the floors were covered with straw and the arches had shutters on, so the monks were doing everything they could to make it as cosy as possible and uh, to be sheltered from all the elements. Now this is, uh, today, it's a great place to see some um, more burials and memorials here. So there's, there's more burials still, even here? Yes, yes, we have um, quite a few uh, around here. For example, have you heard of uh, Halley's Comet? Absolutely. Yeah, Edmund Halley has a memorial here. Um, it is located in the South Cloister and you can't miss it because it's in a shape of a comet and it's black and gold. It's um, actually very, uh, very nice to look at. And a few meters away from Halley's memorial, we have a memorial to some famous um, seamen. So look out for a plaque with a map of the world on it. It commemorates three famous men from completely different times. We have Sir Francis Drake, Sir James Cook and Sir Francis Chichester. They all started in the UK and uh, sailed around the world. You can actually follow the lines to see where e where each of these famous men went. So it's like a, it's like a little puzzle. 
um, you can spend a few minutes here figuring out um, um, where James Cook went, where Francis Drake went, and uh, where Francis Chichester went. Okay, thanks, Denise. So that's a, it's a really good overview, I think, of uh, Westminster Abbey, which is definitely one of our favourite and most popular sites uh, to, to visit in London. So um, I'd just say, really, if you decide to go to Westminster Abbey when you're here in London, please do check their website first. As, uh, as Denise told us, it is still a living and working church, and it does close for scheduled and uh, last-minute events. So we hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we look forward to joining you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much for joining us today. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and you can always leave us a review. We'll see you next time.